In three, two. Good evening from New York City. I'm Casey McCall alongside Dan Rydell. Those stories plus will take you to Indian Wells for a hardcore preview with Marcelo Rios. We'll take you out to Auburn Hills where the Pistons tipped off against a Shaq attack minus the Shaq. All that coming up after this, you're watching Sports Night on CSC, so stick around. Alongside Adam Amin, I'm Steve Cimino, and this is Those Stories Plus, the Sports Night Podcast. We dive into episode 15, Dana and the Deep Blue Sea. This episode is great. I just want to start really by saying episode, that. Yeah. It's a solid episode. It's a direct continuation of, of last week's episode, Rebecca. And it's it's just really taking all those things that it was sort of setting up and running with it a little more. It's got some fantastic stuff with Dan and Rebecca, especially, which I'm excited to talk about. There is a great, great monologue delivered. Uh, this time, Dan Rydell gets to take the monologue chair, the Sorkin monologue chair, uh, which will be towards the end of the show. We are very pumped to talk about this one. Dana the Deep Blue Sea is the 15th episode of the first season of Sports Night. The original air date was February 9th, 1999. It was written by Aaron Sorkin and directed by Tommy Shalami. The All-Stars are at it again. Interesting editing to start this one off, too. And we have a little bit of a, I guess, I'm not going to call it controversial by any means, but we have a a start to this episode that was uh, discussed a little bit, even in years... uh, following the show well let's let's preface this by saying if you throw on the dvds or you go to abc go or whatever and you just press play on this episode it begins with casey mid sentence looking as though he's on tv not looking as though it's our show but looking as though you're looking at a tv why is that it is because this was a crossover episode on abc apparently not liked by everybody this crossover episode so for those of you who didn't know they promoted Sports Night with Spin City as part of their Tuesday night lineup. And you and I like Spin City a lot. Yes, indeed. Apparently, more people like Spin City in 1999 than they liked Sports Night. So I guess this was a ploy, or at least it was viewed as a ploy, to try to drive more viewers to Sports Night. It's a crossover episode because at the end of the episode titled Internal Affairs... In season three of Spin City, Michael J. Fox and Connie Britton are laying on a couch together. They have clearly just enjoyed themselves physically. <laughs> and That's the new euphemism I'm going <laughs> with. <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry. No, it's all right. They, they just enjoyed each other's company. And uh, Connie Britton's character, Nikki, hands Michael J. Fox uh, the remote. And he's very <laughs> pleased by this. And we dive into into the, into the end of Internal Affairs and the start of Sports Night. <laughs> so in the Spin City universe, Michael J. Fox's character, Mike, turns on the TV and he's watching Casey McCall on Sports Night. So, again, you can't see it, obviously, because you're listening to it, but during that little swell of laughter, uh, Nikki hands Mike a Rangers hat, because Casey on Sports Night is talking about Wayne Gretzky, 
Nikki turns around. There's a ranger's hat. She puts it on Michael J. Fox's head. He apparently is turned on by this, and they both get under the covers, and that's the end and of the they episode. Go, they go to enjoy themselves physically <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> presumably two more times. Yeah, presumably fact. at least twice more. Oh. Uh, the, the count should go up to three at this point. But uh, that episode ends uh, of Spin City, Internal Affairs, and goes right into Dana and the Deep Blue Sea on ABC on that particular night. No break, no credits, no commercial, no nothing. We go right into it, which I think is kind of cool. It's a very minimal, I, it's I not an, an invasive issue. crossover no. where you have like, these characters that are way out of place. It's just a kind of cool, hey, look, this show is on that you're about to watch. Yeah, like to me, a crossover isn't what they did. I mean, I, I guess it is, like by definition it is. But to me, like, when I think of TV crossover, I'm thinking of, and I looked up a list of some of these crossovers. Oh, let's go through some of these. Ray Romano appears as Fran finds old classmate in The Nanny, where Fran, played by Fran Drescher, attends her high school reunion. Now, this is kind of funny because Romano and Drescher were actually real-life classmates Wait, is in he, high school. He appears as Ray Barone? I think he appears as Ray Barone. Well, that is an interesting one. Well, I know that there was uh, King of Queens... That was major that was crossover. That was, a, that yeah. was a spinoff more than anything else. Ray Romano of Everybody Loves Bur- So Ray Barone right. of Everybody Loves Ruin uh, appears on The King of Queens. Kevin James also appears on Everybody Loves Raymond at one point. Right. There is a crossover on TGIF. Steve Urkel of Family Matters visits Full House and helps Mark in Step by Step. So he's like crossing over into multiple shows. Wow. That's a whole lot of Urkel on, on one night of TGIF. It's, it's like so much Urkel. Uh, Michelle Tanner of Full House appears on an early episode of Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Oh, my God. On Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Salem, the cat, <laughs> swallows a time ball, presuming that causes time travel, <laughs> and it causes everyone, as well as Boy Meets World, You Wish, and Teen Angel to travel back in time. That is a crossover wow. to me. That's and a, a hefty level of no crossover. No I know like they've done – NBC had a shtick one night where – uh, all of the must-see TV Thursday night shows were supposed to have this New York blackout. So it was uh, Mad About You, and it was Friends, and it was – I can't remember the third. But then Seinfeld was like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> so it was, it was a night full of three shows all taking place during this blackout, and Seinfeld just, like, going about their businesses if nothing happened. That's another big thing. This is, this is just a guy turning a TV on. Five characters from Cheers appear on three episodes of Wings. Many characters from Cheers have appeared – on Frasier, yeah. now granted, that is that's a, true a spinoff. spin-off. That's, that so one, that's 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 excusable. That's right? excusable. But like, yeah, that those are what I think of when I think of crossovers. Not this totally innocuous fifteen seconds of Casey McC- right. if that Casey McCall talking about Wayne Gretzky and then leading into Casey McCall talking more about Wayne Gretzky. Well, we were just uh, looking at some blogs from the day as this was happening. What did the one say? The guy was really mad about this. Flavor Wire in an article in 2013. Oh, so this isn't. Of the day, but still. No, but still, I let's, mean, let's several years right, after, right. It's just a few years ago, ABC tried this shamelessly transparent move. A February 1999 Spin City episode ended with Fox's deputy, Michael J. Fox's deputy mayor, Mike Flaherty, flipping on the TV to watch the fictional show within the show, Sports Night, which then began without a commercial interruption. And now this is in italics, so this is the editorial process of it. This is the writer saying this. This guy on the show you like watches Sports Night. The crossover seems to plead, so why don't you? And don't, that seems really harsh. It doesn't seem all that, that desperate to no, me. I don't know. At all. I thought it was totally harmless and I, an interesting idea. I mean, ordinarily, 
with I, I'm reading I'm just finishing a book called Seinfeldia actually that's yep. all about the it's stories about the creation of and and afterwards and everything that went down with Seinfeld and there's a lot of talk about you know they shuffle the schedules this is what networks do you put the really popular show on before the show you want the ratings drive, for drive ratings so people stay it. right this is not like this guy makes it sound like this was some like how dare they this is what yeah, the, people do this isn't some kind of like horrifying scheme to trick viewers like no here's a show that's good that you already like. Maybe you might like this show, so we're going to put it afterwards, and we happen to connect them for seven seconds. Like, I, I think it's cool. I, I had no I problem cool. with it. I thought it was unique. I thought it was interesting. I had, I had no issue with it. I thought the Spin City episode ended in a, in a nice fashion, and you go right back into Casey McCall. I'll give it two thumbs up. That's for sure. We'll see if we can find a, a clip of that and put it on the show notes as well. I know we can find the whole episode, but if we can find the clip, let people see it. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll post it on the website. All right, so so if we're thinking about this as we get this new information that Spin City and Sports Night <laughs> take place in the same universe, at least for this moment, and let's let's play some retroactive here. Yeah, let's look back. It was I can't remember which episode, but not long ago, Dana was going with Gordon to Gracie Mansion, which is where the mayor of New York lives, and I think we talked about on that episode she was hanging with Giuliani. I think yeah. we said that. No. She was hanging with Barry Bostwick. <laughs> she was hanging out with Barry Bostwick. Barry Bostwick is the guy who plays Mayor Randall Winston on Spin City, kind of the dim-witted mayor of New York City. And I guess that's who, if we're gonna if we're gonna play retroactively I mean, it, here, it must be. That's who Gordon and Taya were hanging out. They're hanging out with Mayor Winston. They saw Carter Haywood. They saw Mike. Yeah, they Mike, saw Nikki. Mike might have they been probably, there. Like, they probably is, saw. They saw Richard Kind. This they is a whole. Saw. That just really heightens my enjoyment of no, that episode the, I, again and I i'm know. picturing them all like rubbing elbows i'm picturing <laughs> the the goofball slapstick <laughs> element of spin city yeah with like dana being like i'm a very serious television producer and seeing like the two of these <laughs> bouncing off of each other that's an incredible uh, that's that's the spinoff i would have liked to I see i would have loved to see i would have loved to bid a fly in the wall at that party right at, a special at, one hour episode <laughs> dinner at gracie mansion it only heightens my appreciation for it i know it's all hindsight and i know we're we're playing with uh, time retroactively here, but I am happy about this crossover. Not to keep harping on the crossover, but I liked it. I think we should uh, we should email that dude who wrote that <laughs> negative review and be like, wait, you don't understand the implications, because Barry Bostwick was hanging out with with good-looking Ted McGinley. He's his boss, for God's <laughs> yeah, sake. Yeah, exactly. He works for the mayor. Oh, man. Shove that Jason Bailey of Flavor <laughs> Wire in July oh. of 2013. Shots fired. Deal with it. Now we can actually dive into the real episode. <laughs> so getting into episode episode 15, Date on the Deep Blue Sea, we begin, as we said, with Casey in the middle of a story about Wayne Gretzky getting a hat trick. Uh, he's got a funny little, keep an eye on this guy. He's got a future in the in the NHL. And it's another great Tommy Shalami start on the monitor, yep. slowly pin to the live action as we go away from it. So and, nice stylistic movement at the beginning. And obviously some of this was because of the crossover episode, but it, it seems to be a staple and it works really, really well. Uh, Casey has a very large tie. That kind of threw me off a little bit. A very wide, large red tie. It's those those 90s ties. Actually, funny you mention this. Let's take another detour. Seinfeld I'm watching the other day when uh, the Costanzas are going to meet the Rosses. It's the Marble Rye episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a, a little debate between George's parents about Frank Costanza's tie being too skinny. Nobody wears them that skinny anymore. And it's true. In that time, they were huge. At that huge. time, yeah, in the 90s. Now it's the skinny tie again. So, Or middle size, I guess. It's kind of gotten less skinny. Mad Men made it really skinny. Yeah, that, they went super 19, late 1960s skinny. I did write down later in the episode that Jeremy is wearing a skinnier and square cut yep. tie. So I guess we'll dive into this right now. I did buy a square cut tie. Hey! I made fun of you. 
a handful of episodes ago about the square cut tie and calling you a hipster. I welcome you to the club with open arms, my I, friend. I've worn it twice on TV already. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, now, you can't see that it's a square cut tie, obviously, but it is a square cut tie. I am so happy to hear that. Yeah. I really do like a good knit tie. And I swear it was a, it's a really, oh, a really yeah. soft knit tie. Excellent. So we get right into some story. Diving right back into the Rebecca storyline where Dan is pleading with Casey to go run up there, say hi to her, do a little recon. He wants to find out, you know, what is she thinking about me now? How can you drop some good words about me or just, you know, warm her up to me a little bit? And we find out that he has asked her out 17 times. He is going all in on the kind of crazy. This is within a week. We're talking two and a half, uh, you know, roughly requests for a date per day. What the heck, man? Bobby Bernstein, you're jumping all over Bobby for being, oh, she's a nut bar and she's a crazy. Who's the nut bar now, sir? <laughs> I think it is you. I think it is you, Dan Rydell. 17 times, and she has shot down every single one of them. Yep. Casey says, I think it's getting a little bit distracting. You're, you're not focusing on your work here. He's like, I'm not distracted. I'm not distracted at all. And then we get him covering, uh, they come back from a segment, and he's talking about a, uh, a quick step. And here comes his fumble. The sophomore sensation credits her agility and quick first step to her father, who used to take her to a neighborhood park all covered with cheese. First of all, I think even if he said it right, the line, her dad took her to a park all covered with trees, is a horrible well, line. What, what, what? Why? Why do you need to write He's that? He's a professional writer on a national television show, and I think that is some... That, that is, is some bush league what, writing. What do the trees have to do right. There's no reason for with them to be in there. the running? Her dad used to take her to the park and practice. Yeah. That's it. They're, literally, there's the story. And now you have me think. If you do say trees, I'm going, well, what kind of trees are they? Right. Do they matter? Why do you make like trees? Right. Yeah. Are the, the yeah, trees noteworthy? Bad writing already. Are the trees Dan, releasing more oxygen than other trees normally? Like, what? Tell me about these trees now. Dan is very, di- you know, he is distracted. Not only because he said cheese instead of trees, but that was bad writing. He's distracted <laughs> because of Rebecca. The whole control room seems a little confused. Jeremy catches it. Did he just say cheese? And everyone kind of bounces back and forth. No one seems to know what's what. And then, of course, Casey calls him on the cheese comment. Everyone says, yeah, there's a consensus that you said cheese. You are you are distracted. We're out. Two minutes back. The neighborhood park all covered with cheese. I said cheese. You said cheese. Dana, did I say park all covered with cheese? There's a consensus, yes. What are you looking at? I'm here for you, man. Let me fix it when we come back. Fix it when we come back. Are we sure it's wrong? Are we sure the park isn't all covered with cheese? It's covered with trees and shut up. <laughs> just about to change my mind and recommend you. Really? No. Dana, Casey's being mean to me. Casey, be nice to Dan. The sophomore sensation credits her agility and quick first step to her father, who used to take her to a neighborhood park all covered with cheese. Dana, we got all kinds of sentence construction here. I think he's going to have to explain that it's the park that's covered with cheese and not the father. This is an unforgiving room. Plus, it's a little hard to figure how running through cheese helped the kid with her agility and quick first step. Thank you, everyone. I really enjoy, and maybe this is just because we hear it so much in Sorkin writing, I like when they play around with, like, language and grammar and talk about it. Like, yeah. it, like say, hey, here's this syntax. Here's a dangling modifier. Like, I, I, the dork in me, and I'm sure the English teacher in you. Which is the same thing fan. as saying the dork in me. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's like a definitely. big deal. I really like these when, when they dive into these. I definitely wrote wrote down that line about the sentence construction. And I, I love how everyone jumps on his case. And Dan is just like, you know, he's, all right, all right. Like, <laughs> you, that's enough. But it's, it's funny. I like at one point he goes, covered in cheese, shut up. 
And uh, the laugh track, <laughs> that's when the laugh track comes in. So I, I know we've been discussing laugh track pretty much consistently, just trying to figure out if it's going to be in the episode or not going to be or how often it's going to be in the episode. So clearly it is in the episode. Uh, I think they only have to fill their two or three laugh track quota per episode. Knocking thing. them out there's, early. There's one. Um, and I would also argue that running through cheese might actually help your first step in agility. Sure. It's like uh, running on the beach. It yeah. slows you down. Yeah. You know? It makes if, you work if, a little muscle. You're running in the sand. You're jumping in the sand. It builds up your muscle. Definitely. Also, little note, although she's just in the background, Allison, the makeup girl, is there. Just looming. I think we mentioned her way back when uh, Janelle Maloney showed up. Yep. That she... Allison is the regular makeup girl. She's there. She she's doesn't gonna, get mentioned. She doesn't get named, but she's certainly she's back there. She's dabbing on some makeup and brushing <laughs> some shoulders and yeah. all this stuff. We go to a commercial and we come back with Casey kind of pacing around the the newsroom, screaming about the Albert Bell film. He needs the Albert Bell film. So at the end of the last episode, we were talking about spring training. So they're getting ready for the baseball season. Albert Bell had just signed with the Baltimore Orioles, signed a five-year deal with Baltimore. Uh, I was just looking it up Something, to see if he was on the Sox at this he was, point. He was on the he Sox the prior the Sox. year. He had just left the Sox. Five-year deal worth the equivalent of about $90 million today. I think nice. it was like a $50 million deal. And I think he only played a couple more years because he had a lot of, you know, I think back issues and stuff. So that's why he needs the Albert Bell footage because we're probably going to talk about the, the Orioles and Albert Bell, and they need some footage on Albert Bell. Dana intercepts Casey and is very excited about uh, going snorkeling. She's going snorkeling with Gordon somewhere off the island of Latok. I think I found the right Latok. It's in the Caribbean. Like, it's not a hop, skip, and a junk of No, you're a... Uh, Am I wrong? You're going, you're going some ways away to try, to, try right. to do some snorkeling. I was. I mean, I understand they both make a pretty good living, and a little weekend getaway isn't, uh, you know, out of, out of the question. No, I understand. And listen, I've thought about that, too. I've gone... Literally, I've been in a in a random city like, you know, Hartford, Connecticut before, and then get out on a Friday and go to L.A. for, like, three days. Like, I've done that before. So, yeah, I, I don't think for them it's out of the question. And listen, for Handsome Ted, oh. you do whatever you can for Gordon. So she's taking this as a really good sign that he invited her for a weekend trip. Sure. They were having these problems. She was a little bit worried. Hey, he wants to go on a weekend trip. That can't be a bad thing. Does she or does she not sound like somebody trying to convince herself that it's a good thing? Like, she keeps repeating it. She keeps saying, like, no, this is great. We're going to have a great time. We're going to go snorkeling. I'm going to get over my... Like, this whole episode is just her trying to convince herself Definitely. that everything's okay. And we find out right here that she is scared of fish. She doesn't like fish. <laughs> so this is a big deal for her. And obviously, she doesn't want to do this, right? But she right. is, like you said, convincing herself that it's good. She's trying to convince herself to, to conquer this fear a little bit. As she gets into this conversation with Natalie, for some reason... Natalie is like kind of raspy and whispering. Have you had a bad experience with fish? I was like <laughs> loving Natalie in this scene. She's trying to figure out this like this fish fear. And it's just very she's like listen to her as she talks. She's very like serious. She's almost like a, a character in a noir movie or something. You're afraid of fish? I'm afraid of fish, Natalie. Fish frighten me in a very real way. Have you had a bad experience with fish? No. Then what? Well, it's just the way it is. So I don't know. I said my notes say I kind of love it. And I and I do. And Natalie continues to uh, poke and prod at Dana. It's like, well, you know, you're secretly in love with Casey. And Dana's like, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in love with Gordon. Like, I'm not in love with Casey, even though you think I'm in love. Like, she's very self-referential about it. Mm -hmm. Another aspect of her just trying to convince herself that everything's okay. I really like Natalie's line, too. Well, how about instead of going, when everyone else goes snorkeling, you stay here in New York with Casey. <laughs> Casey, whom you secretly love. <laughs> and then uh, Dana says, I should have seen that coming because it's, it's really... Just the pitter-patter with them no, in the back and forth. It's, it's a really, really good scene between those two. Natalie's, ha she hasn't been as involved in the last couple of episodes, 
But it feels like every time she says anything, it's a really nice, impactful, funny line. Yeah, she's had some zingers. She's been doing a great job. And she definitely has some meat in this episode dealing with that at the yes. very least. She's a, a nice um, kind of intermediary to try to connect a lot of storylines. Yes. Another thing to mention since we're on the subject of Natalie she and Jeremy are very much a couple at this point. Yeah. I like that we had all that build up to the relationship and then they're together and it doesn't take the forefront. It's they're, not like, let's talk relationships all of a sudden. It's, they're a boring couple again. Right. They're, they're, just, they're like everybody else. They're like every other couple. They're just there. And if not for the mention in this episode later on when Jeremy says that he's trying to teach Natalie also to avoid meddling with people's affairs, you might forget that they're a couple. <laughs> yeah. If you just walked into the universe now and you and watch this episode you may not know that these two are a couple i like it though i like that it doesn't have to be right in your face all the time No, absolutely not the one line that stuck out to me gordon loves snorkeling nobody loves snorkeling (laughs) who loves snorkeling who who like lives for snorkeling? let alone a a dude living in new york city who probably isn't doing much snorkeling i guess that's why he's jumping down to the caribbean for the weekend because it's it's something he doesn't get to do a whole lot i guess i have only done real snorkeling once on our honeymoon we were in hawaii and i loved it it was great you really did like i it. really did like it not something that i'm like i gotta go snorkeling this weekend but if given the opportunity absolutely I'll if go. you say i enjoy snort gordon enjoys right. snorkeling and he would like to go again i buy that more than gordon loves, loves. to snorkel Actually, here take a look at the desktop on my computer it's, that's that's it that's you guys snorkeling? lauren and a giant sea turtle that was hanging around outside my <laughs> that sounds like a name of an episode to <laughs> lauren to the giant sea turtle. <laughs> that is a, that is beautiful it is lagoon-esque that was my uh my knockoff gopro oh pretty that's pretty of. solid it looks anyway, great thank you thank you so dan and casey are in their office talking about rebecca and he's dan baffled that she's never seen sports night he's going back to that fact right there there's a nice little back and forth between them. Casey has just, like, had it with this at this point. Obviously, it's been a week of, of Dan talking about Rebecca. And Dan says, I'd like you to take this seriously. Casey says, I don't think that's going to happen yeah. to you. <laughs> One quick comment. Casey's hair has changed again. Has it? I didn't even. Oh, I feel I think bad I didn't notice. I think it's a little slicker, a little tighter. All right. I wrote down very Ryan Gosling-esque. Whoa. I gave him the Gosling. Casey is starting to become quite the fashionista. He's a, he's a, I mean, he is. He looks sharp, looks thin, looks slim, svelte. Uh, I just, for some reason, I noticed that when Dan's talking about Rebecca and like she's never seen Sports Night and this and that, he basically like says like I want her to watch me on TV. Yes. Because the line that sticks out to me is I just think if she saw me on the show, she would like me. I'm my best on the show. It's what I want people to see. I put all day into one hour, and I'm proud of it. But she won't watch the show. I pretty much live my life by this line, it feels like. I actually, I, I made a point of typing out the question. Is that Ask right? Adam, like, how, does, how does Adam feel about this line, and do you feel that way? I, I absolutely do. I feel like I put so much of my time, my effort, my energy into preparing, into being ready for the two and a half to three and a half to you know sometimes four or five hours that we're going to be on TV. And, I mean, it's the reason why we, like, dress up and like wear nice suits and you know trim up the beard and make sure we get haircuts and all this stuff and they put makeup on me even though it's not a lot they put makeup on me and tell me to wear it and i try to be sharp and aware and if possible at any time humorous and entertaining and charming because you put all this time into just being your best that's supposed to be your best when you're in this business and i i kind of live and die by that dan rydell line like i want people to see me on tv because that's me at my best I don't know what that says about me off the air, 
Because maybe that's just me at my worst constantly. I'm no. not sure yet. <laughs> I, I definitely see where he's coming from. Here. Yeah. These are people, these characters that are, as we know and as, have, as we have seen, are married to their job. Yeah. Essentially never leave the office, right? So this is kind of his best option of showing her who he is or at least what he does. And it's nice to see that he takes pride enough in his work that he's like upset that she's not seeing it. Like, she might like me if she got to know me. She can get to know me by turning by on the watching, TV. By watching right. TV, because so much of my personality is on there. Instead, he's just bombarding her with flowers. Right. I, I got all the notes down here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hit so me with the numbers. He, he approached her nine times, which I assume means he went to her floor and, like, went to her office. And we've probably seen, what, like, two or three two or of those, three, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. So nine times, he has sent her flowers three times. He has hung around by the elevator five times. (laughs) And every time he does this, she says, Dan, I'm not interested. So she's very patient with him. But holy cow, that's a lot. This would probably be falling into the category of work harassment at this point. I would agree. I think this is maybe, well, she clearly hasn't reported him. Maybe that's why he likes her so much because she's so patient. (laughs) Like maybe that's what's so attractive. She's the most patient person I've ever met in my life. He wants now at this point, and this will show up later on in Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, he wants his friends now to go and go, you know, step up to bat for him and yeah, say some good things. Workers. This yeah. happens with, with Danny and Jordan on Studio 60 where he literally has people sending like letters to Is her. Is it like the Duke of Earl it's or some, something? Some or like Duke or, yeah. or, and, and, like, and like Martin Scorsese and like all these like really <laughs> famous people are sending letters to Jordan like, hey, try out Danny. He's a good dude. I do need a letter of recommendation. Many letters of recommendation. I should inundate her with letters of recommendation. What are you talking about? Jordan, I should have faxed letters of recommendation from everybody. Spielberg, Clint Eastwood, Steve Jobs, Sumner Redstone, my doctor, my dentist, my accountant, my mother. Your dentist? Wilson White. The mother? The governor. The interns. So she knows I'm good among the people. You are very good among the people. Did you get my fax recommendation for Danny? Yes, I did, Matt. Along with 38 others, including Martin Scorsese, Lauren Bacall, and Lord Dickinson, the third Earl of Kent. And this is happening right here, too. This goes into, and in both cases, spoiler alert, the women are they're knocked of, off their feet by this. They're like, wow, they're, swo- they're swooning because this, of it. Or this, they, they appreciate the persistence. This I is guess. a criticism I have heard of Sorkin writing for women, at least, uh, that I think is a little bit valid. That A man will chase this woman and be straight up almost abusive in the way he's like, look at me. And they'll be like, oh, you're so, like, you got me. You won. That's a little bit like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hold on. And Bobby Bernstein does it like we talked about earlier. You know, she just talks about because she's under the impression that Dan slept with her and then never called her, which is a pretty awful thing to do, like, in hindsight. And she's trying to get, like, some closure on it. Granted, in a funny, crazy way. Yeah. But, like, she's tagged as the crazy woman. And, and on this end of things, Dan is literally being, like, harassing at work. Dan is being crazy. Yeah, he is legitimately being crazy. That's the and definition gets... of crazy. Doing exactly. the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I, I have to call you out on one thing. Yes. Uh, I have a great friend of mine, Adnan Verk, at ESPN. We often get mixed up with each other on Twitter <laughs> by other people. Uh, he has a podcast called Cinephile. So, you know, I guess it's a shameless plug for him as well. But he is obsessed. I mean obsessed with martin scorsese's films and he yelled at me because he said it's scorsese see and not scorsese i, I, I had to bring that up i have you. heard scorsese I, I no i've I, heard both i've heard scorsese my whole life until very recently it became scorsese and i've been sh- i i i forever thought it was scorsese and i've been saying scorsese and he's like listen man 
you got to say Scorsese. Ugh. I've talked to the man himself. Ugh. And I'm like, all right. So I, I, I'm not, and it's not, right. not as much calling you out on it. I'm bringing to light I to will. you some information now that I, know, I hope will, now be, I know for good. will be helpful to you in the future. But I swear, up until months no, ago, No, no, really, I agree with you. I, until he told me, I had never, I had never heard anybody say Scorsese. I was thinking it was Scorsese. On his podcast, every episode, he has a Scorsese story. Like, every single time, because he's so obsessed with it. And he actually had to have the person who recorded, like, the intro, like, a Scorsese story. He actually had them <laughs> change it, because on the first episode or two, it was Scorsese. He's like, you got to do it again. It's It's got to be Scorsese. <laughs> All right. Noted. Noted. <laughs> Although I'm also, it's hard to break that head. I, it took me a while. Again, not as much of a call out. I, I don't want to feel no, like no. I was calling you out, but I did feel like it was important to bring that up because it's been bothering me. I will try my hardest. <laughs> I will try my hardest to stick to Scorsese. He's as obsessed with Scorsese as Dan is with Rebecca. Fair enough. And speaking of Scorsese, the guys have that giant raging bull poster in the background. <laughs> always, always looming. Now every time I see it, I'm going to say, every time it shows up on the show, I'm going to make a point of sca- saying Martin Scorsese's raging bull. Raging bull. <laughs> All right, moving forward. <laughs> so we've still got Dan trying to get Casey to get out there and... and Say some good things for him to right. Rebecca. He flat out refuses, so Dan tries to rope Jeremy into it. I think this is very funny here. Jeremy sits down and is trying to be very calm and say, listen, I don't like to meddle in other people's personal lives. I'm trying to teach Natalie not to do that now. Like, I, I can't do this. I'm not going to do this. And Dan pulls out the bond. We have a, a bond. This is not the first time that Dan has oh, brought up a bond. He's invoking. Yeah. So he says, we have a bond. We could have strengthened this bond. Look at me and Casey. And Jeremy says, is, what, is Casey going to do it? And you just hear in the background. <laughs> no! Hey! I've got work. No! <laughs> <laughs> I thought that moment was great. I probably didn't do it justice, but just hearing the, the back and forth and the distant no is, is I think, really good. I love that part. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, he's invoking the Natalie hookup. Yes. It's like, hey, everything I did for you. Basically hooked you up with Natalie, which... He, he guilts him into he, it. He guilt, yeah, that's a guilt trip, if there ever was one. Although, I mean, did he do that much? He gave advice where... That's he what I'm admi- saying. Like, he, he didn't really do that He much. admitted at the end of giving the advice that he has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, he about. didn't do a whole lot. I mean, maybe he, he tried, or his intentions were certainly good, but come on now. And, that, and it boils down to Dan has legitimately written down a list of his good <laughs> qualities and hands it to Jeremy. I've made a list. Just tell her these things about myself. Let me see the list. And then he walks away. It is, it is something. Dan Rydell really, really chasing after Rebecca here. We go to a new scene where Dana is now talking to Isaac about her fear of fish, who you can tell just doesn't want to hear it. <laughs> and uh, th- I think this is pretty funny, and I think we should play a little clip here. This is their world, Isaac. They live where it's murky. Poisonous, tentacle-bearing, prehistoric sea creatures. You're afraid of fish. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. There aren't going to be any sharks down there. We don't know what the hell's down there. It's down there. It's their home court. They know what they're doing down there. They can breathe down there. I need this ridiculous rubber tube and a pair of goggles. Are you afraid they're going to make fun of you? Isaac, already. I mean, are you afraid the fish are going to look at you and point and say, look at that thing with the lungs? No, I'm not afraid the fish are going to make fun of me. You eat fish, don't you? And don't you think they know that? <laughs> I don't think snorkeling's for you. This is what I'm saying. So that's, you think they're going to make fun of you? <laughs> <laughs> look at that thing with the lungs. Very funny. <laughs> Isaac, Isaac can play... He's he's supportive, but he also knows when to rib him, which I think is pretty great. And he also plays caring father figure here, but yeah. he says, 
is everything okay? I meant, is everything okay with you and Gort? Like, he, he even can pick up on the fact yeah. that something weird is going on. And again, Snuffy, little guitar harmonics this time, not even chords, just a little... Like, like, the guy knows how to push the right buttons, and it makes me feel really, really sensitive, you know? Really warm on the inside. Yeah. Uh, more little facts. We've been trying to pin down official numbers. Dana says, I am 33. Yep. So now we know that. Again, very young to be doing what she's doing. Impressive stuff that she's doing. She says, I'm 33 and I'm afraid of fish. If it makes Dana feel better, I'm 30 and I can't swim. You can't swim at all? Can't swim. Wow. I think I, I, like, I'm sure if I were thrown into the waters, I could yeah, I didn't, potentially I didn't mean to make you, survive. I didn't mean to make you feel bad there. Wow. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's, listen, it's, it's, it's got to be on the list. I got to do it at some point. I got to learn how to swim. For what it's worth. I have no lungs. Like, when I swim, <laughs> I get exhausted within minutes. So we're probably about... You would survive minutes longer than I would then, at the very least. So oh. I should probably go out and, uh, and take some lessons or something. I was at a, a lake house with some friends a couple of summers ago. Yep. And, and one of their uh, boyfriends was a Marine at the time. And he it was early. We were both up. We're drinking coffee. He's like, you want to just kind of get out there and wait out for a little bit? It's like, sure. We dive in. We go out 50 feet off the dock. And we're just treading water. No kidding. 45 seconds later, I was like, <gasps> and he's just, he's a, you know, he's, he's worked, he's very, very well conditioned. And I felt never like less of a man yeah. than I did in that moment. But so don't worry. It's okay. Okay. I feel a little, <laughs> I do feel a little bit better about it. Go to a commercial and come back with Jeremy biting the bullet. He's uh. walking into Rebecca's office. Have you noticed that every time we go to Rebecca in her office, she's just like saying some nonsense jargon? <laughs> she's like, well, if James doesn't have the this, PR, this, then we're going to have to... Like, we're going to have to stay all night. And like Every time like they cut to Rebecca, she's walking in the hallway and she's talking to Jennifer or whoever that person yeah. was. She's got like a little a, a clear file on the wall. She keeps randomly taking pieces of paper out of. <laughs> she's the most office-friendly person I think you could, you could have uh, in that setting. Jeremy keeps getting roped into everything. <laughs> Remember the last episode... When uh, they're outside of Isaac's office and they're trying to like get <laughs> into it, remover. they're like yes. staple remover. Let's th- Jeremy will do it. Like I feel so bad for Jeremy right now. He just gets roped into doing all these uh, menial tasks or somewhat embarrassing things. We, Rebecca, again, extremely patient as she pretty much immediately knows what's going on. We get a last name. She's Rebecca Wells. Yep. So that's nice. We get that whole thing. Uh, and Jeremy. Seems like he's trying to go off the cuff. Just says, uh, welcome to the building. I'm the welcoming, <laughs> welcoming committee. You're new here. Uh, I wanted to welcome you to, to the company. And Rebecca's like, I've worked here for three years. Yeah. So immediately, you know, the jig is up. It's not going to happen. Uh, you're from Sports Night, aren't you? Dan sent you. She knows immediately, immediately what's going yeah. on. I love her line. Is everyone on your show deranged? <laughs> I swear everybody but me. <laughs> oh, so good. But he's just going to cut to the chase. Jeremy just flat out says, won't you please go out with Dan? Why won't you go out with Dan? Uh, the desperation is even coming right out of Jeremy here. <laughs> Just yeah. please go out with Dan. <laughs> just so I don't have to right. deal with it anymore. Like, this is enough. Like, just one, just go have a drink with the guy. But we find out why. We find out why she is so adamantly against going out with Dan. And it seems to be nothing with him personally, just the history that she's got. I had experience with sportscasters. What kind of experience? I was married to one. Ah, yes. Which one? None of your business. That's right. They are self-absorbed, narrow-minded, immature people of limited intelligence and limitless ego. So there it is. She was married to a sportscaster. Not a good dude, it turns out. You know, I again, I can't speak from personal experience having not been married, but it's tough, man. It is tough, and there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of ego-filled people out there. There are a lot of uh, self-absorbed people out there. There are a lot of guys who seemingly don't devote enough time to the people that they claim that you know 
that they would devote all their lives sure. to. So it's it, it is very tough. But I'm not not to defend it. I, I promise you, I'm not like defending it or blaming Rebecca Wells here. I'm just saying I, it is not uncommon to see that happen. Seeing Rebecca know, hey, I've got a bad experience again. She's patient and she is quite mature about this. Yeah. Just being like, look, I know what it's all about. I don't want to get mixed up in this again. She's not being mean. She's not. I mean, what she said is sort of mean. Like she's putting a lot of people in one basket there. But sure. uh, she's just like very calmly. No, I don't date sportscasters anymore. I have a reason. And it's it's kind of nice. Although Jeremy then, as he's sort of starting to head out, turns around and tells her, for the record, nothing you said describes Dan. Yeah. He's none of those things. I really did like that that defense. You know, like it's still my guy. You're you're I know you're almost kind of intimating that he's a jerk too. I promise you he is not. And then he walks out and goes, Welcome to the building <laughs> <laughs> A nice Jeremy moment to A leave. very nice Jeremy moment there. And and you can see Rebecca kinda like letting what he said marinate for yeah, a second. Yeah, like, yeah, for right, sure. Maybe I'm maybe I'm judging him too quickly. We head into a new scene in the conference room. We're in the middle of a rundown meeting, but it's just the crew. Yep. We don't have uh, the talent <laughs> in there. Dan and Casey are nowhere to be seen. Turns out it's the 10 o'clock meeting. It's it's right before show, uh, so probably working out cues and technical stuff as it is. Chris and Will are taking notes, but one of them starts to scratch something out, and the other says, you need to erase that, not scratch it out. And they start to debate about pens and pencils, and Dana really snaps <laughs> on them. She is, she is she's all sorts of, bit, yeah, yeah, definitely on edge. Uh, and she's really freaked out about the snorkeling. They're talking about it a little bit more right there. You can see Chris and Will kind of cower down like, sorry, because she says, can we ever get through one of these 10 o'clock meetings without it turning into nerd fest or something along those lines? Yeah, it was, it was, she was a little harsh. She was a, a surprising level of harsh for, for Dana there. She is, uh, she's ready, quick to snap, at the, yeah. at, it seems. That's uh, it's beyond persnickety, I think, at this point. Big <laughs> <laughs> uh, the phone rings. Elliot answers it. It's Gordon, so he transfers it over to, to Dana, and it seems like bad news. Snuffy hits some uh, more sad notes. More sad notes. Natalie she spins around in the chair and puts her back to the room. And that's when Natalie notices. As soon as kind of Dana turns her back away, Natalie's like, hey, why don't we, why don't we come back in 20 minutes? And then... Dana turns around and says, hey, no, 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 where's everybody? Every, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Another sense of her just trying to convince herself and probably everybody else around her that everything's okay. And so she wraps up her call alone in the room with Gordon saying, no, it's it's fine. I can uh, use the time I was going to conquer my fear of fish to conquer something else, maybe bears. Yeah. So it's, she's it's, still it's trying kinda, to be. She's trying to, you know, roll, let it roll off her back. And there's a really nice pan from Tommy Shalami up the conference t- room table going closer and closer to uh to dana and i really did like the impact it had also a bag of nestle pretzel flips i noticed <laughs> i don't know why i noticed it there was a bag of nestle pretzel flips and of course because i'm a weird wikipedia idiot i'm like when did nestle pretzel <laughs> flips start they, it turns out they were they were just invented in 1997 uh-huh so a couple of years later well hey if they were pretzel flips without random stickers all over the label <laughs> i'm assuming nestle put paid some bucks to get Maybe, that on there. well i mean i or they didn't and they just let it go because it was it was i mean it was barely uh, i could just tell that it was a bag of nestle no one holds flips. it right up and takes a bite like <laughs> it's like mm, delicious like Wayne nestle and garth pretzel. in that <laughs> segment when they're talking about sponsorship exactly yeah but no, it was a really uh, sad sounding scene Dana plays it really well. Felicity Huffman plays it really well with her tone. Yeah, she looks deflated, even yeah, though this is something she deflated. something she didn't really want to do. Again, she was psyched that he had asked, and now that he's canceling, yeah. she's she's assuming the worst. You can kind of uh, pick up. 
we get a new scene in the office. Uh, Casey's sitting at Dan's desk, which is interesting, but yeah. he gets up and moves eventually. Back and I made a note, like, what's he doing there? Oh, never mind. <laughs> and then he must have just been getting something. Um, Natalie walks in and says, hey, can I grab a piece of paper? <laughs> he gives it to her. <laughs> she crumples it up and thing. throws it in his face, that which I thought was hilarious. That is a thing to do. She scolds him basically for not pursuing Dana. Why aren't you chasing after her? Why aren't you? You're both secretly in love with each other. And Casey playing Mr. Mature, again, she told me to stop, basically. Yeah. She told me to leave her alone. I'm leaving her alone. Pretty, pretty menschy move of him right here. Sure. He's trying to be the supportive friend. I think that's been made abundantly clear the last, even in the last episode, he was like, try, he's trying to give advice to Dana and uh, Natalie keeps pushing, you know, go, you should talk to Casey about it. He's good at these things and he's trying to be a good guy here. Isaac walks in. <laughs> it's, this is, I think we said a few episodes ago, I can't remember exactly, but we said that Robert Kiem in the Janet Ash Chicago commentary she yep. said that he was really uh, he did his best in the short comedic things and sometimes a long mile this is one of those great moments for him isaac walks in and she says don't you think that <laughs> casey should get together basically and isaac just kind of pauses and says i'm gonna step out now it'll be like i never came in <laughs> i wrote down the translation in my head is hey isaac don't you think casey and dana should date and create a huge conflict of interest for your show <laughs> like you're, this is your boss you're basically telling your boss we're trying to violate policy he knows what's what yeah he's i think, like, I, think so. he's, I don't want anything to do with he this. wants nothing to do with this whatsoever natalie keeps encouraging casey to do something you have to do something she's might she very well might be getting broken up with right now because she's on the phone go do something if only as a friend and uh he says okay i'll go for it go to her now <laughs> now he's on a Thursday? <laughs> I love this exchange. His his feelings are more obvious, I think, than Dana's are. Yeah. But he, you, you know he's got a thing for her. He wants her not to be with Gordon, but he's going to step up as a friend and, and, and still try to support her. Uh, so he gets up and he goes for it after a little bit of persuasion from Natalie. I wrote down that I really liked the end of this exchange because I like Natalie being like, go to her. And he doesn't know what that means. And he's like, well, what do I do after that? Be a man. Yeah. Whatever that means to you. Go be a man. Go be somebody. Go be somebody that's supposed to be in that position. Another prime opportunity to say be a mensch, but I guess we're skipping over that. Uh, could have went with a mensch. <laughs> the scene cuts, and Casey kind of intercepts Dana as she's walking through the newsroom. She doesn't seem super upset. Right. But he starts right, in, right into it. Uh, is everything okay with Gordon? And she's peppy. She's like, yeah, we're not going uh, snorkeling. We're going skiing instead. They're going to the same place that he took her before. Sugarbush, they yeah. say at the same time. Yeah, he remembers. So it's... Uh, now, Casey, who seems deflated, as he kind of maybe yeah. had his hopes up that they were going to break up, and yeah. they didn't. So I wonder what the deal was with Gordon. Maybe he couldn't afford to make it to the Caribbean that weekend. <laughs> I, I'm not really sure exactly how this plays out. There was a part of me, there was a part of me for a split second that thought, maybe Dana's lying. Maybe to, you know, just kind of use it as a facade like just maybe her she was just covering up like yeah. oh no 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 we're we're, we're gonna do it another time we're gonna go skiing instead i i kind of almost half expected there to be a scene where like dana is like making plans with like her mom or something because she can't like gordon canceled yeah her. like i almost half expected something like that to pop up we go to a new scene we're up at Re outside rebecca's office again lots of jargon being talked <laughs> of course uh, it's late. This is, what, probably 10, 10.30? Actually, closer. It's almost yeah, showtime exactly. It's past 10 o'clock because we just saw the 10 o'clock meeting. Right. Which took, I mean, like you said, Natalie was like, let's come back in 20 minutes. This is really close to airtime. So Dan's bounced. And again, well, and just to jump a little bit forward, everybody's like, hey, where's Dan? Like, right. they're getting close. to. So he's really cutting it close here to go upstairs 
and kind of let Rebecca know what's up. Yeah, he's excited. He gets up there. I knew I knew I you. Knew he I goes knew right you. into it, right? You're Steve Sisko's wife. And he is able to quote her perfectly about the uh, self-absorbed, narrow-minded. He, so Jeremy... Big ups to him for yeah, being. A, Jeremy's being. A, Jeremy was being yeah. a bench, I guess. What did, right? uh, what did she say? Well, she said he could say <laughs> it, it wasn't exactly. good, Dan. <laughs> she said that sportscasters are. But we find out uh, this Steve Cisco, apparently a really nasty dude. Uh, as Dan sort of tries to tell her, look, I know Steve Cisco, and first of all, I'm a sports anchor, not a sportscaster. Second of all, you married a jerk. I know about Steve Sisko. Everybody knows about Steve Sisko. Sister, you married a loser. And the fact that you think that that man's low-grade brand of manhood is any way indicative of my profession is beneath your obvious intelligence in class. What guys like that do to women like you makes me absolutely crazy. I'm not sure what he means by the difference between sports anchor and sportscaster. I'm assuming he means sports anchor is somebody who's on like a sports center and I'm a sportscaster. Right. So, so I fall into the jerk category. The desk versus no desk. <laughs> desk versus no desk. I, I guess I'm... I'm Steve Sisko. I'm a jackass. I think this is kind of funny too. Here, how he—I knew I recognized you. What yeah. you? We met before. Like they met somewhere when she was married to Steve Sisko, apparently. And he points out, like, "Wait, you? Well, no, we met before, and right. you didn't. Why didn't you tell me you knew me?" And then she's like, she's, "Well, you, you didn't, didn't know, tell yeah. me you knew me." So, kind of calls him out on his own BS a little bit. I think it's uh, it's interesting to see that this these world. I mean, it's a small world. Uh, in yeah. a way, right, where there's only so many people that are yeah. sportscasters. It's a, it's a very inbred living. business. Like, we, everybody just about knows everybody. But I think at no point, really, did Dan say she seems so familiar, you know? That's something yeah, that I feel like up. they could have thrown that in a little bit more where he's like, this Rebecca, I, you know, I could have sworn I've, I've seen her around the building or something. You know, they could have peppered a little bit of him wondering why she seemed familiar earlier on. Then this would have hit in a bigger way, I think. I would have loved to have heard it like... Why are you pers- like Casey going like, why are you pursuing this woman so much? And it's like, I don't know. There's there's something about right. her. I think I'm, I feel like I'm close to her. I know her or something. I feel like we could have established that a little yeah. better. That would have made this impact of like, I knew I, knew I, knew I, I knew recognized That would have been you. something. You are Steve Sisko's ex-wife. But he's still trying to win her over, right? I am better than Steve Sisko. Yeah. So we're both working late. Why don't, why don't we go out for dinner afterwards? This might be one of the – you know, it, it is. This is one of the classic – all-time sports night monologues. I know we talked about Jeremy in the conference room with, with you know, with them playing poker. That's still probably mm-hmm. to me a plus number one, tops of the top. This is up there, man. This is one hell of a delivery on this speech. You're working late. I have a show to do in ten minutes, just twelve stories up. There's no earthly reason why you should be having dinner with me after the show. It'd be midnight. We go to a great place, and I'd ask you about your day because I genuinely do care about your day. And I'd be funny, and you'd have a good time. And when I took you home at like 3 a.m., and I tried to kiss you goodnight, and I think I'd been successful. In fact, I know it. And I can't believe none of that's ever going to happen, because once there was a time you married an idiot. I've got to get back to my job, which, rest assured, I do considerably better than Steve Sisko. Rebecca kind of starts to walk back up to her office and... and whispers all covered with cheese like she had oh yeah i knew it you've been watching it. yes, so it's exactly this, yeah it's this great kind of everything collapses on like oh yeah she has been slowly getting win- won over by uh all these efforts that he's been making i love that they call it the hideous cheese blunder yep. that it's got a little nickname already that's a little cute thing for the two of them i think the most adorable thing though it's the second time you call me danny like that yeah. is real like she, she she has been hiding her feelings so well <laughs> like and- the whole time like no i'm not interested no it's really sweet of you Thank you so much. I'm very flattered. No, she was. She is into Dan yes. Rydell. And it's Terry Polo does a great job with this scene where she's 
Oh, yeah. You could see her, like, holding back. She's upset still. Like, this is not something I want to do, but you are... She even had told Jeremy earlier, he is charming and he's handsome. Like, he can can have have any woman he wants. wants, But she obviously likes him and had been not going along with it because she knew he's one of them, right? Well, you, you said it going back to that scene with Jeremy. Jeremy goes, he wants you. And I remembered, I wrote down what she said. She said, he wants me today. Right. And it's like, so you get the sense that, not to speculate too deep into it, Probably got cheated on. Probably was maybe some level of emotionally abusive in some capacity. Or, I mean, cheating on somebody is also pretty yeah. emotionally abusive, too. But I, I, that's kind of the sense that you get right away. He's, he's got too much of an ego. He didn't care about me. He gave me no regard emotionally or whatever. Like, clearly, she was bothered by it. He wants me today. I remember that line specifically, and it plays right into what you were just talking about. That is a very good catch. I love her threat to him. Where I swear, if you turn out to be a jerk, I will do something very bad to you with numbers. <laughs> Which is, I don't know what she could do, but maybe uh, wreak havoc in his audit, accounting audit, or something. Audit yeah. or something like that. Like I know, I know people at the IRS. I'm an analyst. So overall, she's she's been won over. She knows he is charming. She knows he is handsome. He seems like a very good guy, and he's persistent to say the least. So she's gonna give him a shot. There's a really cool ending as Snuffy is playing some more music for us, where. She's just smiling as the elevator doors elevator close. Closed. That's a great shot. I did notice, though, Dan didn't bother to press a button. <laughs> he's just going to sit there for a <laughs> second. Like, he was really trying to milk this, like, watch. He's probably in his head thinking, like, watch this badass move right now. <laughs> going to walk into the elevator, turn around, smile at her. She's going to smile back. Don't press a button. Don't press a button. Just let this, let this happen. <laughs> let it happen. Elevator closes. Boom. Nailed it. Let's go to the let's I, go to the studio. I pictured Dan like <laughs> literally jumping up and down like yeah yeah because like, he finally he got it. It's been a week and, and seventeen and attempts. Oh, and absolutely! It yeah. Attempt number eighteen was the one. We get a, a, our last scene cutting back over to the show. They're getting ready to go on air, and no one knows where Dan is. Jeremy steps up and says, "Oh, he's being rejected because he's an idiot and didn't listen to me." Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, Rebecca gave me quite the tongue lashing, and I love Natalie. I'm sorry, she did what? <laughs> <laughs> did Natalie not know what tongue lashing meant? I think uh, it's just so funny that she's like, there's that reminder that they're a couple. They're, they're, like yeah, that. You, know, no, that's good. And you said it before. It's a nice subtle reminder. It's right. not like, hey, we're a couple. Look at us. Yeah. It's just. It adds to their characters and their relationship Agreed. without being like everything we mentioned about the couple has to be some kind of, they're having a problem. It's yeah, just if, like, if, oh, if it's I a condition Jer- of them. If I mention Jeremy, I have to mention Natalie in the same breath. If I mention Natalie, I have to mention Jeremy in the same breath. I'm glad it's not that right. type of relationship on screen. Dan comes waltzing on through in the best mood we've ever seen him in, singing zippity-doo-dah, of course getting the words wrong, <laughs> saying zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day. Plenty of sunshine, plenty of hay. Hey, yeah. And and again, Casey has to remind him, like, Dan, you're a, like, Dan's a writer. How do you not know zippity-doo-dah of all things? Come on. Casey obviously picks up on his partner being in a good mood and says, you know, how, how you doing? And this is a really, really solid end to the episode here. Gather it went well. You know, sometimes it's worth it. Taking all the pies in the face, sometimes you come through it feeling good. Yes. And how was your day? Sometimes you just stand there, hip deep in pie. That is a really, I really I like that. that. Yep. We get Casey again, and this is again drawing parallels, I think, to last week where it ended with the two of them down, yeah. right? And they're kind of like, mm. but there they are, right as the show's about to go on. One of them is up, the other one kind of still like, mm, nope, still yeah. hip deep in pie. Not, not working out for me yet, but maybe it will. The show begins, and uh, we start to fade behind them. I really like when we do this, these kind of pulley shots as we pull behind them at the desk as they introduce. A little foreshadowing to later on in the series, 
they're going to go to Indian Wells today. For yeah, a little, first, little... first trip to Indian right. Wells, as a matter of fact. I enjoy that. Uh, and we get a nice title card at the end of the episode. You're right about the, uh, the pan away, kind of backing out. Constant reminder that when we go away, this world still exists. It's still moving. There are things happening. Uh, oftentimes you watch shows and they just end on like characters walking out and the camera stops and just looking at an empty room and then fade to black and you hear the credits. I like that we have movement. It is constantly, there's constant inertia to the next episode. It's kind of like a cool theme that I like when Tommy Shalami directs these episodes. So that about does it for Dana and the Deep Blue Sea. This is a, a two thumbs up episode Absolutely. for me here. This is one that I'm just looking down at how long we've been talking about it, and it flew by because there's so much happening that's good and that's funny and that you want to talk about, and, and it's moving the story forward. It's not just there to make us kind of like fill the, the 22 minutes or yeah. whatever. It's a good, solid, progressive 22 minutes. There's more meat on this one. than And this is where the difference is. I remember in our last episode we were talking about how there are great moments in the episode Rebecca, but it just felt a little lean, a little light. Not as much substance, meat, and this time it just feels like there's so much there. We get to develop Rebecca a lot. Like, we we learn maybe the crux of her character in this episode. We see why Dan is so obsessive about it. So there's just a lot of meat there. Dana is trying to figure her stuff out. And this really sets us up for one of the great episodes of Sports Night. Yeah, that's right. Next time we get to talk about episode 16, Sally. Oh. Which is... It's got moments. It's oh, got some moments. Some, some major moments in this one. We're really excited to uh, bring back the polarizing character. I would say, <laughs> at of the Sally. very least, yeah, at the very least, polarizing character of Sally. I'm sort of. I'm looking ahead here at the the remaining episodes. I think we only have eight left in season one, and every single one of them is like solid gold. Yeah, yeah. We're really excited about this final stretch here. It's uh, something to look forward to as we go forward here. We are we are tearing right through this. We appreciate you guys listening. You can visit our website at thosestoriespod.weebly.com. You can follow us all over social media on Twitter, Instagram, etc. at thosestoriespod. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Amin, Steve at SJCIM. And please feel free to download and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. We're also available on Stitcher and Google Play. And if you are so inclined, please feel free to leave a review. Let us know what you think as uh, we dive deeper and deeper into this podcast so that does it for us this week alongside adam amin i'm steve Samino, and you've been listening to those stories plus